Welcome to another installment of Engineering Money, the podcast where some full-time engineers give their two cents on the financial news of the week. My name is Ben. I am a civil engineer in Washington State. My name is Tim. I'm an infrastructure engineer in Indianapolis. And I'm Joey Sawyer, a food products engineer in Minneapolis. Awesome. I'm glad we're all back together. This is now yeah, it's been a minute. two weeks in a row. But I'm always here, though. You're our rock, Tim. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> Who wants to talk first? I think well, I, I can start us off with the general uh, broad trend of what happened last week. And I think it was it was someone on CNBC that said it best. We are now in a kangaroo market. <laughs> As I was just so to... excited that they brought in a new animal. <laughs> right? It's it's great. It's been bears and bulls for so long now, and now we got kangaroos. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It just bounces up and down. Well, or I was I was thinking they might have brought it from, like, have you ever heard of kangaroo court? Where it's just, like, wild court cases. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So it's like There's a wild like market. No... But it also makes sense that it's just jumping up and down. And it, it is. It's just, <laughs> I feel like every time that the market started going down, people say, oh, it's it's crashing again. And then it starts going up again. And they say, oh, it's it's fixed. We're Everything's good. Again. And then it starts crashing again. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It sure is. Lots of opportunity. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, Joey, you were also pretty heated about... Uh some other things going on in your life uh, well as i think i uh briefed you on last week i am in the market for buying a home and it is a bananas time to be buying a home if you own a home right now and are in a position to sell it you should probably do that because it is a wonderful time to be a home seller it's the prices of course are at record highs because we haven't had the big recession hit home prices in a while. And in addition to that, you've probably heard of the Fed directly impacts mortgage rates, which brings all the buyers like me out. And now you're in this situation where you got homes going for more than they ever did before and just an insane number of bids being placed. So. So whatever the house may start at, if you think, oh, man, I'm getting a good deal right here, there's no such thing as a good deal anymore because the market is going to determine what the price actually goes for. And that's been my life this past week because <laughs> I kind of want to get a house and not get ripped off for it. So it's been it's been wild. They, they, they pop on the market and go within a matter of a couple days. And, yeah, and uh, like for way above the asking prices too, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I, there's some that I'm seeing that'll be like they end up going 15% over the asking price, just because that's what it gets bid up to. It's it's almost now a selling strategy to lower your asking price in order to get more visibility on it. Like if you <laughs> create like a bidding be, war. Wow. Right. It's like, you know, if you used to be above, say, $300,000 that you're selling your house for, that's what you think it's worth. But then you 
put it on the market for 285 that it into the range of a lot more people who might have said, oh, 300 is too much for me. That's my cap. I'm not going to look at them that high. But now you have all these people looking at it. It looks like a great deal. So they all bid on it, and then it goes back up over $300,000. Yeah, it, and it could probably coax some people that wanted to stay below 300000 to going higher than three hundred. Exactly, when, when the pressure is on. And that's why, you know, ever the engineer... I've been trying to stick to my numbers and this uh, stonks matrix that I love telling you about so much, I basically did the exact same thing, but for houses and put in all the factors and weight them. And then it spits out one number for every house that I'm looking at. It helps <laughs> me be a little more rational about it. That's cool. But just as far as those statistics go, I'm looking right now, the 30 year fixed rate mortgage which is the kind of conventional financing, most popular way to buy a house, is right now at 3.1% on wellsfargo.com. That That's so pretty low, low, right? The all-time average for mortgage rates, I think, is like 7.5%. Oh, my God. And, I mean, if, if you think about it, that's a bank giving you, like, say, $300,000 that you now have to pay back at only 3%. Yep. And 3% is also on average, the growth rate of home prices. So it, it's almost like it's free you get money. a house for free. It's free money. Right? It's That's <laughs> that's why buyers like me are out here. Maybe I should and buy then, a house. People are getting well, a crazed you know. <laughs> look in their eye going out trying to get more free money. But what I'm, I think is interesting is I'm, I'm looking at Zillow.com's data here and looking at the median list pricing, you can see... A consistent trend it's kind of a sawtooth trend it just um, kind of jumps up and down but moving average definitely is pretty linear up since 2012 and mm -hmm. right now we're at the bottom of one of those sawtooths so it was at its peak in June 2019 and it's come down a little bit the median list price but the median sales price looks like an exponential curve it just keeps Gosh. going up. Wow. And I think that number, this is for median of all the U.S. market, but my personal experience just really echoes this. The list price might be coming down a little bit, but the sales price has not. Median sales price is right now at 250000 for the U.S., and it is, like, skyrocketing. Hmm. The interesting thing now for people like me is what's going to happen next and a lot of forecasts show them dropping because we think the full effects of this uh, recession haven't really hit things like the housing market yet so prices could be dropping the question is will they just drop for a year or will they keep being bad well, I'm really banking on that just for a year thing um, I might be banking on long term <laughs> Not to, uh, I mean, that'd be bad news for you, Joey, but. Yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> but that's, that's been my world for the past week. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a little bit. I've had some time to really look at some different things. Um, one thing I really noticed that stuck out to me recently was IPOs. Just in general, uh, specifically the more recent ones. 
Um, we're talking things like Slack, Uber, Pinterest, things that came out just last year. And how... Wait, Uber was just last year? Yes. It was uh, huh. back in May. Um, yeah, I remember that. It was a huge one. Yes. And it's crazy how incredibly well all of these IPOs are doing in the pandemic. Now, part of it has to do with their business models. Um, a lot of them are technology or you know online-based groups but it's crazy how with this market crash it looks like one of the safest options that investors have been turning towards are recent ipos it's crazy i mean i i kind of i kind of think you could just argue that it's tech in general because people are just like oh tech you can do that from home i'm gonna buy some Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that's what's so crazy about this market crash is just how since we're in a digital age now where things actually work and you can actually work from home just because we're all working from home and not going outside and not doing things there's still companies that are doing really well um, including uh, Vroom the online car buying platform they just went public on Tuesday I heard about that one for 22 cents or i'm sorry 22 dollars not 22 cents um (laughs) and how they immediately shot up and they're at like 40 some odd dollars at the end of the week um so yeah i was i was doing some research i think this trend trending down aren't they like vroom oh wait no they just ipo'd on tuesday for twenty-two dollars, oh, and now they're over forty. Holy! Because moly. it's an online wow. car buying space. You don't have to go anywhere to buy a car with this company. So people are like, "Oh, online, buy, buy, buy." But I, I think then... this trend will continue, and the one company that I'm certainly looking at the IPO calendar every single day. Is Snowflake. <laughs> yeah. Tim, you know about too. Snowflake. I, yeah, I'm on that boat with you. Um, they're one of the, you know, cloud enterprise groups that does something that I'm not really sure how it works, but their main competition is Amazon Web Services. Well, actually, I looked into it, Ben. I think it's, um, I think their service allows. Uh, their users to actually have their data communicate between stuff that's stored in like Microsoft Azure and AWS and like the Google one as well. Right. Yeah. One of their main selling points is right. Their their cross platform communication. But the CEO is the super smart guy. Um, And I'm blanking on his last name. Is it Slootman? Yeah. Yes. Unforgettable really sharp. Um, he's told CNBC recently that, yeah, no, Snowflake's great. We've poached thousands of customers from Amazon's web services. <laughs> We're super strong, and they're gearing up for this IPO. Um, they're hoping for a $20 billion valuation. Um, 
its last private valuation was just over 12 billion back in February of this year. So they're they're really trying to build up the hype for the IPO and I think it really will perform well once it Well, and they did the a market. confidential um what what would you call it? it? It was confidential so that there all the information about the IPO isn't coming out until a few days before. Yep. So that just like adds to the suspense. Extra exciting. <laughs> it, yes. It's always it's like IPOs always go right up or right down. <laughs> yeah, it's and and you you gotta watch it for like a month though, because the, there's that initial hype period <clears throat> of just people like, oh my gosh, I'm excited about this company, or I think this is way over valued right now. But then come out like the their first earnings reports and and things like that and it just becomes more real and down to earth and you start to see the real trends on those Mm -hmm. yeah but if you think about it if they ipo and the price goes way up then the company actually didn't do a very good job at gauging how much people would be willing to pay for it and they got less money out of their ipo than they could have and if they if it goes right down then they got more money than they um, otherwise could have right uh, with their IPO so IPOs are it's a funny dynamic it's very interesting yeah. to me Ben you want to make a company and then um, get a bunch of hype around it and you know just, just bring get it to a market stellar IPO yeah and then just try to run be, off with all the money just try to be we work but don't have it fall through yeah I feel like the SEC would come after us um, no, then I'll talk about that later. <laughs> I do have one other thing. Um, talking about hype and people's emotions and all that jazz when they're trading in the market. Um, there's an interesting article that I read in the Barons this week. And it talked about, um, you know, all the, oh, the, the millennials, they know they're investing money now and. Robin Hood and all mm-hmm. this. Um, and yeah, it's kind of true now. There's this new wave of traders that are in their 20s, 30s, young age um, that are just kind of tossing around money um, well, and not conforming and to the more traditional um, triggers that yeah. usually um, move stocks. So the prime example from this past week was Hertz. Mm-hmm. Normally, oh you would Hertz. you would think a company files for bankruptcy and the stock price Their would stock go price down. Should go down because yeah. they're bankrupt. They don't have any money. You'd think they're not a good company, but no. You see, over a hundred sixty thousand people on Robinhood saw that Hertz stock. And thought, huh, that's a pretty cheap price for that. And bought it. And the stock ended up moving a ton in the upward direction after filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. At its peak, it was up 880%. It's, it's totally interesting seeing what the, the Robin Hood effect is yeah. on things. Yeah. but It's just it's, the things that it makes. Robin Hood makes it easy to trade in a way that isn't... <laughs> 
as conservative. Like you can't yeah. buy mutual funds in Robinhood. Right. Well, yeah, and I think it's um, like if you've ever used Vanguard, they make it so hard to make a trade. Like, and I think that's on purpose just so that you, it makes it harder to let your emotions get a hold of you. Um, just so you, like in Robinhood, you can like quick click like two buttons and sell something or buy something. Right. Um, and another thing that I think is part of this with all these, uh, these younger people getting into making maybe not wise trades is with, um, the proliferation of wall street bets. Um, and I, I started looking at wall street bets, like maybe like four years ago when it really wasn't that big. Um, and really it was, people were, were like gambling, you know, they were just betting on the, but they, they weren't making like terribly stupid decisions. Um, but now you've got people that are just everyday like, folk. Yeah. And they get drawn in by this, by seeing these people making so much money, then you don't realize that that's actually just a very select few. And even those people that are making a bunch of money off of it, actually, <laughs> you could picture it as an iceberg. Um, at the top half, they've got like 10%. They're like 400% up gains. And then below that, it's their all time, um, <laughs> just like minus 75. Yeah. Um, right. And yeah, people just don't realize that. Yeah. And with everybody stuck inside now and, you know, you can't go to concerts, you can't go to sporting events. People have a little bit more cash on hand. And this is the first, well, actually, I don't have it confirmed here if it's the first, but um, it's definitely out of the ordinary where in this economic downturn, there's actually an increase in new account creation. Hmm. Um, Where Schwab, Charles Schwab, which recently sort of followed the Robin Hood model where commissions are now zero, um, no minimum balance, all that sort of stuff. You can trade freely. The, in this first quarter, they added 609,000 new brokerage accounts in the first quarter of this year. Where normally, you know, when the market's going down, people aren't, you know, fiending to put their money in the market. But with nothing else yeah. to do, there's so many more accounts and a lot of them are younger people getting these Schwab mm-hmm. accounts, E-Trade account, Robinhood accounts, interactive brokers. Um, and when you look at them just individually, you know, they got a few thousand dollars just thrown, thrown around. Um, it's not a lot, but it adds up pretty quick and it yeah. starts really pushing and things. I saw something or an article that said that uh, small trader call buying made up uh, more than 50% of total volume this past week which is the highest since 2000. Wow. <laughs> so really these traders are they're just they're making them like a majority of the speculative trades. Yeah, cuz right now all the more traditional people in the investment banks that really hold the majority of the value um they're probably all taking a step back, a lot of cash positions being less risky so it's really yeah the majority can can make some moves <laughs> right it, it's like i've been 
I always like to look at the percent of institutional ownership on a stock and I consider like below 50% as a relatively undiscovered stock. And the, the idea being that if it's undiscovered, then it might do really well and suddenly big institutions realize that it's a good position. And so then they all buy into it and it shoots up to like 70% institutional, institutional ownership. And obviously that makes the price go up, but it's like prices are now moving in a larger magnitude than that, just based on all these speculations. And it, it just like, doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's, that's all I had to say. Those were, yeah. those were my topics. Well, and I maybe kind of a transition, but Joey, you'd talked about, um, you know, buy, you want to buy when other people are being fearful and sell when others are greedy. The old Warren Buffett quote. Yeah. Well, so CNN, CNN Money actually has a, um, a greed index. Oh. Yeah, so if you just search greed and fear index uh, or fear and greed index on Google, it'll probably be the first link. But earlier this week, before uh, we had that like 5% drop, thursday it was at like 69 and um, right now it's at 54 which is pretty neutral but like when we were at the very bottom of uh, like when we bottomed out in march the index was at i think three percent which was extreme fear extreme fear Um, so i don't know how good of an indicator this will be in the future but i'm starting to think I'm, I'm going to be watching it, and I think, like, if it gets below, like, 25% or so, that might be a good incentive to start buying um, a lot, <laughs> but It's just, it's scary to do. It makes sense that you should, oh, my gosh, everyone is so greedy right now. This is unsustainable, but it's also, like, it sucks to be wrong when everyone is jumping on the bandwagon and you're like oh better sell and then it keeps going up yeah that that is the worst (laughs) but yeah it's it's just what happens it's better to uh better to get some profits rather than um write it all the way up and then write it all the way back down exactly exactly i feel like really good advice is just once you make a profit forget about it if you suffer a loss forget about it even faster yeah hey charles schwab does a real good job with that ben it's really annoying yeah most <laughs> in the yeah, trade accounts very you get rid of intuitive when you sell something your uh your profit goes away from how they record it i don't know just oh. a side thing. <laughs> but so unless um, you're tracking it separately you actually forget about it instantly because the numbers go away and you don't see it <laughs> yeah all right so maybe that's a good thing um, but yeah, maybe something to keep in mind, the fear and greed index. Um, and then the other thing there is, so the stock Nikola, if you guys have heard of it, yes. um, which to me, they named it that just to write off of, uh, the Tesla hype. Um, but you might get that that's the kind of, um, sentiment that I have from this company as a whole. Um, no. and I was tipped off to this just from a, a Reddit thread, but so like not all this information is mine, but it really makes a lot of sense. But, um, Joey, did you ever hear of Theranos? 
I haven't. And Ben, have you? No. Oh gosh. Well, you guys might want to look up Theranos. There's a whole book written about it. I think it's called Bad Blood. Um, but it was this company by CEO is Elizabeth Holmes, and oh yes, I I yeah, do know about Elizabeth this company. Holmes. She yep. was able to get huge investments yes. into this company, Theranos, and it was for they were going to make this machine that you'd give it a really small amount of blood, just like a pinprick, like with a um, you know, like diabetic people do, just a pinprick, and then you'd be able to run all these tests on the blood, and. There were countless people that were saying, like, you know, that that'd be really hard to do, but like, sure, yeah, we could probably do that. And then she said that she's got these prototypes working, but never lets people see like inside the prototype or like actually how it works. Um, really just a toxic culture in the company overall. But it turns out that um, you know, the company was a fraud. And, you know, it just completely went under you can you guys can look into it more on your own but i kind of i don't know i i see nicola they shot up earlier this week just on some news they had like a little press release where it showed their semi trucks driving around um and they're like hydrogen fuel cell trucks um but i don't know i just get kind of a shady vibe from them and it's shadier than elon that? Shadier than Elon? No, Elon's actually got stuff going. <laughs> Elon's not shady. He is, he is too transparent. <laughs> That's yeah, true. There's Elon's a difference. Elon's just wild. Okay, but their surge is like, in my mind, just completely not justifiable. So like, they've had zero revenues so far. They don't expect to see any through 2021. And I, you could argue like, okay, you don't have to be profitable to be a stock that's doing well um, look at tesla speculate <laughs> yeah i know tesla but they've had zero revenues ben mm. like they're completely just run off of um like uh, seed money um and then so you know how like a tesla you can pre-order a cyber truck for a hundred dollars yeah. really cheap mm -hmm. like but they so Nikola, they have pre-orders where anyone can pre-order a vehicle through the website without placing a down payment. So mm. one Redditor theorized that uh, it was because the CEO, um, Milton, <laughs> was doing so in order to avoid potential investigation by the SEC because if the orders aren't fulfilled but, but no one paid anything, then, um, you know, it's, you know, the, you can't come after them for anything. They're, they didn't put any money down. Um, but like, why wouldn't they require, you know, customers to put a down payment? Mm. It seems kind of fishy, you know? Um, but then according to Wikipedia, Trevor Milton has pocketed almost 8 billion within the past month without delivering any substance to support a, such a big payday. So like, if you've watched the video, of like their their press release and they're driving the trucks around they're like so far away and they drive up real close for like a second and then they leave um like he posts one picture of a concept car and the investors just lose their shit and it's now valued between 22 to 25 billion that's actually probably gone down since the stock went down a little bit um, from the peak earlier this week but 
I mean, like it's larger than American Airlines and Delta combined. Um, it's like just completely built off hype where they just have a truck design where they have a few um, prototypes running, but they don't even plan on manufacturing them. They're outsourcing it to someone else, including the design, I'm pretty sure. Like, <laughs> so it's got, they have no revenues, no production facility, no operations at this point, And they're larger than um, any of the big three car manufacturers. Interesting. Whoa. It is a little, so, <laughs> a little wild for something that hasn't sold anything yet. Yeah. And bringing it back to Tesla, like they have prototypes, Nikola. Um, they have, yeah, they have prototypes. They have a truck prototype as well. But I'm a quote, I don't know if it's a quote, but something that Elon had said years ago is that it's very like it's really not that hard relatively to come up with a design for an electric car um, or really like any car for that matter but all of the issue he said five percent is coming up with the design and 95 is actually making it um, mass producible yeah right that's what I was gonna say mm -hmm. it's like sure you got this hydrogen cell technology but can you put in trucks and build those trucks and get them around at the exactly. massive scale that's necessary yeah and it's like well why do you think tesla has their gigafactory for building batteries because that's a huge part of it and like i mean not for a hydrogen cell um but like that's one of the issues they had to overcome to be able to mass produce their cars so i can't see why there wouldn't be a similar challenge for nikola i don't know it's uh it's a smelly smell that smells smelly <laughs> well yeah. tim you know the tool that you use for investing in a situation like this is called the put or the short <laughs> well the, the the reason the put's nice is because if you're right and they are like a fraudulent company their correct value is close to zero and so you don't have to say oh they might go down just a little bit. It's like if they're going to go down, they're going to go down a lot. They're not going to go down a little bit, or yeah. they're fine and they'll just keep going up. Yeah, and then I just lose my money. I was <laughs> right. wondering that with uh, with shorts, if a company were to go bankrupt and go to zero, do you still get to uh, do you just get to keep your money that you got from the short? Ben, I know you were looking into it earlier this week. Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> oh. So if a company goes bankrupt and then goes to zero, it's like you'd still hold that share of the company. So it's only if they like completely liquidate, then they have to give the money to the shareholders that like is the piece of that liquidation, right? Mm -hmm. Because like yeah. not every company that bankrupt goes bankrupt liquidates. They, they can come back. Oh my gosh. Joey, Nicola shorts or puts are so expensive right now. Whatever. Yeah, this yeah, is definitely something I'll, I'm going to be reading about this week. Because I... I don't know. I don't want to say any, anything either way. 
right now just because <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, they seem fishy to me. It'd be great if they come up with a, a revolutionary car. Yeah, I want this to be real because this yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, sure. it's their, uh, what is it? I just had their page open. Yeah, the, the Badger is their pickup truck. Looks kind of cool. Yeah, that thing does look pretty cool. <laughs> well, don't forget to join our Discord. Yes. Join the Discord. Links in the description below. Thank you all for wa uh, listening. I keep saying watching. <laughs> Thank you all for watching. Oh my gosh, One I just did we'll, it again. We'll, one day we'll all be together and we'll videotape and then you can say watching. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Engineering Money, and we will see y'all next week. Bye.